Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. It's great to see everyone. Oh, Brother Dan, does, do I have, am I, am I, I got cooties now or something? Oh, I just, oh he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see everyone. On this summer day, uh, it's just absolutely hot outside, but it is nice and cool in here, and God is good. It's refreshing. Amen. Brother Carl has a coat on. And, um, and uh, so anyway, uh, to pray, if you will, for uh, Sister Eleanor. She's not been feeling well, as, uh, if you don't mind. And pray for those that you know are in need of, of prayer. Amen. We have lots of needs to bring before the Lord, and uh, we have lots of things happening in our world. I hope your prayer life is up to date. Amen? Yeah. I hope you're spending time in purposed prayer. Can we say that? Purposed. Purposed, purposed prayer. prayer. So many times we, we pray for God at the stoplight, or with God and, and at the stoplight, and that's great. We, we talk to the Lord in the shower, and that's wonderful. Uh, we talk to Him at night, Lord, help me to sleep good, or in the morning, Lord, thank you for this morning. But when we talk about purposed prayer, man, it, it, it's a total different definition. It's when you pick something that you need to be talking to God, something, that, a character issue you're working on in your life, or a, an issue of health that you're focused on praying about. It's important that you, you spend time in purposed prayer. Uh, it's really good. So we go back to the Word of the Lord. We're in an amazing study about the grace of God, the grace of God. How, uh, oh love of God, how rich, how pure. Right? Remember that old tune? Uh, how marvelous and strong it shall forever um, endure. Uh, it talks about the grace of God, but um, I'm getting off subject. I'm being nostalgic tonight. <laughs> um, but uh, the grace of God is so important. So last week, uh, we talked about some things, and we're going to kind of do a short review. I want to start tonight, though, in Galatians chapter uh, 2 and verse 4. Read it on the screen, if you will. Listen, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and he's talking to uh, those people that are gathered there. And, um, and this is what he says. Even that question came up only because of some so-called Christians there. Well, if there's not an indictment. Now, what's going on here is they're having a, a, a meeting and there's a bunch of disciples. This is Peter's here and, and all, James is in this chapter. You're going to find all these men of God. They're having a conference. They're talking. They're being very open in their dialogue, talking about the New Testament church. And, and they're, they're, they're talking here. Paul is writing, says, even that question came up only because of some so-called Christians there, false ones really, who uh, were secretly brought in. They sneak in to spy on us and take away the freedom. They were the Jewish people. They were the, the Jewish elders, Jewish traditions, Jewish things uh, that was trying to be brought back into the church. God had delivered them from that. And, and Paul's like, hey, we, we, they're coming in and they're trying to sow discord among us about this issue. And you can read the rest of it at home. They want to enslave us. Now notice it's not the law or God that wants to enslave, it's the people that are wanting to enslave us and force us to follow their what? Jewish regulations. Their Jewish regulations. I want to say this, uh, I said this to several people today, but we have been delivered from Jewish regulations. Mm -hmm. We have been delivered from the law. The law does not judge us, it is not a part of our New Testament covenant. Stop trying to satisfy the law. You cannot be saved by the law. Right? Um, and so here we are. We look and see. That's why we're talking about grace. Because grace. We are saved by grace through faith. Not by our own means, our own stuff. 
not by our righteousness, it's filthy rags, by his righteousness, the work he did on Calvary. We cannot add to or take away Calvary. Amen? Amen. We have to accept it by faith, knowing that it is completion. It's enough. How many are glad that Jesus Christ is enough Amen. to do all that he's promised to do, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to add to him. We love to because it makes us feel in control and like we're doing something and makes us feel better about ourselves. But God doesn't care how you feel. His promises are unimpeded by our feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> His promises are yea and amen. And so here we are. They, they, they want to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we, what? Refuse, refuse. to give in to them for a what? Single moment. Paul is very emphatic. I am not going to give this spirit the time of day. Not a single moment. Amen. Uh, you know, we have got to recognize this. When you're learning to walk by grace, if you don't recognize the place you're living, the new covenant that you're standing in, you're going to be so frustrated and you're going to wonder why you feel so miserable. It's because you're trying to do God's job and God won't let you. Amen. Amen. So what does it say? But we refuse to give them one single moment. But we want to what? Preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. The truth of the gospel cannot coexist with Jewish law. Mm -hmm. We'll let that sink in. Uh, you know, you, 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 uh, God bless you. You want to blow a shofar? That's wonderful and it's exciting. But it's not a part of my covenant. Uh, you you want to celebrate the Passover? That's great and wonderful, but you're not adding one tittle to your salvation. You're not adding one thing. Matter of fact, you're going backwards. You're you're honoring something Jesus delivered you from. Oh, but that's in the Bible. Yeah, we know exactly what it's for for our learning. It's so we know what sin looks like. So let's stop kidding ourselves. This is what Paul was stood Peter to his face about. Peter was trying to do both, and Paul said no. You can't do this, right? Why? Because I got news for you. Judaizers are not Christians. And yes, we have common things. And yes, we follow. But hear me and understand. You cannot be saved by the law. It's evident. Over and over and over again. And this is just another one of those places that I wanted to bring to your attention. Why? I keep hitting this, keep hitting this, keep hitting this. Why? Because I continually see people living in fear of the law. But but God's going to get me. But God's going to, but he, he uh, you know, or I've got to, boy, I better do that. Or I better do this or do that. And if it's not in your New Testament covenant, stop trying to provide something or do something that's not required of you. You're, Paul, Paul, you're kicking against the pricks. That's That's what we're doing. We're kicking against things that God has said, hey, I fulfilled those, I've completed those, you've moved on from them. Now would you please follow the higher law that is the law of Christ? The law says don't kill, I say don't hate. Work on the higher law of Christ. Someone say amen. Amen. So does that make good sense? Yes. It's not just good sense, it's the truth of the word of God. So, first week we talked about dying to live. If you don't die to yourself, you will never understand Romans chapter 6 and 7 unless you understand Paul is talking about the person that is dead to themselves. The reason it's not the sin in them, right? Uh, my, I, I sin, but I am not the one that commits the sin. So how can that be? We talked about that last week. Well, it's because Paul is referring to someone that is dead to sin. <laughs> and the grace that God provides them in their place of death, they're alive in Christ. Amen? Amen? 
so we talked about being being alive in Christ, dead to second week we talked about Romans six, fifteen through twenty-three, and we talked very plainly about who you yield yourself to is who you are serving. If you yield yourself to sin, you are serving sin. If you yield yourself to God, you are you know, does that mean that you're always perfect and yielding to God? No. But God wants to know what who who's your main squeeze? <laughs> Who are you striving to be like? In a, in, in, are you trying to be as close to sinners as possible or are you trying to be as close to God as possible? That's the question. Well, he sees that and he knows your heart. Romans chapter 7, we saw a portrait of the struggling Christian. And it was very plain. Paul is pretty speaking about himself. Remember, you read these chapters and you see Paul referring to himself. Not you or them. or the, No, I, Paul. I. I struggle. I don't understand. So we understand Paul instructs us again here in Romans about how God's law reveals sin to us. So we learn that. You can go back last week and check in on that if you'd like right here on Facebook Live. So we go on. We struggle because we are human and live in the flesh. Everybody say my flesh. flesh. We'll never see God. We'll never see God. That's right. Flesh and blood shall not inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. No flesh will ever see God. Our flesh that we, our, our, our um, Lord, my brain is, is uh, when we are transposed, when we are, are, are changed in the twinkling, you know, that's, that, that, that spirit man will see God. And so we go on and look. So life in the spirit. We're going to start there tonight. Life in the spirit. So. Um, next two weeks, uh, this week and the next week, we're going to talk about life and service. So we've talked about how our flesh, and, and we've talked about, I want to do good. Last week we, we went through, I want to do good and evil is present. I try to do right and I can't do it, right? We went through that segment. So we learned about the flesh, right? At the end of that chapter it says, oh, but thanks be to God, right? He, he brings us back to the reality that, yeah, all this, my flesh is... And the law, and it's, it, it harms me and it causes me suffering and, and all those things. But thanks be to God, right? He brings us back to the point that Christ is still our Savior and our provider of salvation, even when we are struggling. Someone say amen. amen. Today, I want us to continue on, but I want to talk about, now we've learned about living in the flesh and how it's not going to see God. We've talked about our our fleshly desires, our human nature, that we're always going to be human. We can't stop. We stop being human. We stop living. We're, we're no longer here. Um, now I want to talk to you about life in the spirit. I want to talk about We've learned this other. Now we're going to turn and we're going to talk about life in the Spirit. This is what the possibilities are when you live in the Spirit. It's not all about, man, I can't do it. No, Paul said, thanks be to God. Remember at the end of chapter 7. So we're going to talk about Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Read it. Uh, so now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation. The new, new King, the King James says, this is New King James, uh, but the King James says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Here we see the translation, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The question we talked about is who you submit to is who you serve. That's why that question was so pertinent in chapter 6 and 7. Because this is now evident. If you are Christ's, 
And He is your King and Lord. And He is the one that is who you're striving for. You belong to Christ. Someone shout, I belong. I belong. Uh, you belong to Christ. So I am not going to be condemned for things because there is no condemnation within Christ. Christ is never going to come and say, I can't believe you're a sinner. Look what I did on Calvary. You're just... You, no. Condemnation means to judge. There's therefore now no condemnation. There's no judgment. Right? But in Romans 8, we find a much stronger word. Right? Catacrima. And, and it, 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 condemnation means divine judgment against sin. So the word condemnation just means to judge. But this word that we find that we're reading in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, is a much stronger, much more poignant word. And that is means to, to have divine judgment against sin. There is therefore now no divine judgment against sin. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. Brother Carl? Greek, uh, strong, or no, this is um, Brown's uh, Greek exhaust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Damnatory sentence. There you go. A sentence. There's therefore now no damnatory sentence, right? Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to myself. I'm alive to Christ. And grace is what carries me in my moments of weakness and trial and tribulation. But God knows my heart. And God knows my story. And God knows who I'm honoring. And I'm not going to be condemned for that sin as long as I stay where Christ wants me and keep growing and repent of that sin. Repentance is of the essence. So, understand, Paul's serious here. There's therefore now no kind of, no divine judgment to them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, you can't be outside of Christ and expect the same. You can't be living on your own will, your own ideas, your own stuff, your own living outside of God's word and expect this scripture to be true for you. So many people say, well, no, you've got to stay in the book. You've got to stay in God's word. You've got to walk in the spirit. Okay, verse 2. And because you belong to him, Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit... Has what? Freed. Come on, shout it. Freed. Freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We learned this in chapter 6, right? He reiterates it again. You have been freed. There is a life-giving spirit that now is in you, and you have been freed from this thing called sin, and you now are living in life. Verse 3. The law of Moses. It's amazing how many times we learn about this, isn't it? Do you, are you noticing a theme that how often Paul mentions this? Are you noticing that Paul kept going back to this? Why? Because the people he was speaking to had a problem with wanting to go back to things that could not save them because it was comfortable and familiar. It was comfortable. It was tradition. It was familiar. It's what they had always done. And so many times in our Christian walk, if it's comfortable and familiar, we refuse to move where God wants us to go. And in my life, I've had to make some hard things, uh, hard choices and things that I would have, trust me, I would have been much more comfortable and familiar if I would have chose certain other paths and certain things, right? In your life and in mine, we have to decide, is God's word more important than my comfortableness and my familiarity with my surroundings? 
So, we find that the law of Moses, because imagine the Jews being told this, right? Imagine Jesus, you know, you know, well, our fathers, Abraham, well, before your father ever was, I am that I am, you know. Uh, and, and imagine the Jewish people, they, they've been doing this for a thousand years. He's messing with, you know, politics. He's messing with their money. He's messing with everything, right? But they, they clung to it because, and that's why Peter clung to it, because it was familiar and it was, what? Comfortable. Comfortable. It was comfortable. It was familiar. It was comfortable. This is what we've always done. This is what this. Imagine if all the Jewish people would have took that stance. Well, they they would have been lost. Jesus came to seek and save. At some point, he said they've rejected me, right? They have, they have they have rejected me because they refuse to get out of their comfort zone and learn new things and 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 receive. By the way. Not new things. Things that have been taught from the eons of time, from Isaiah to, I mean, things that have been prophesied, things that have been given to them, but they refused to see him as the Messiah because they were comfortable and it was familiar. Those, those couple things are so, in the church world, not just Pentecostal world, but in the church world in general, we generally stay in our corners not because of what God's word says. We stay in our corners because it's familiar and it's comfortable. Oh, I'm just going to talk for a little while longer. And God has is, is, is challenged me in my life, not this month or last year, or no, in my life, and said, I want you to see my word. I don't want it to be comfortable. Look, God's word, if you study the life of Paul, he was never comfortable. He was constantly on the run, constantly had change in his life. He is constantly that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Why? Because Paul understood that he wasn't seeking comfort. Jail cells, prisons, nastiness, bottoms of boats almost drowned, floating around in the ocean. He never questioned those things. He acknowledged them because he knew what the, he understood. I might be a Jew, I might be of a Roman descent, I was a zealot at one time, but I had to move from my comfort because I could have stayed in Rome or stayed in Jerusalem and been comfortable made a good living, persecuted a few Christians every once in a while, riled up the crowd, and that would have been him, right? Paul is trying to move us from that. So I want to make sure that it's, you understand, it's not me that's pounding on this. This is Paul constantly saying, the law of Moses. What does it say? Was unable to what? Save us. Why? Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law did not have the power to save those that had a sinful nature, and we all have a sinful nature. He says, so God did what the law, what? Could not do. I got news for you. Newsflash, breaking news. You cannot be saved by the law. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Uh, this goes back to our, our discussion about Jesus was all God and all man. We find God sent his son bodily to redeem us because that was the covenant he had made from the beginning. So he says, and in that body, God declared the end of sin's control over us. I want you to notice that it says in that body, God declared. Right? Who was in that body? Jesus. 
So that's how we know furtherance that Jesus is God. Because in that body, right, he was all God and all man. Not the man Christ Jesus. He's died. He's the one that was sacrificed. I'm talking about the God, right? So in that body, God declares an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. I remind you, God did not die on the cross. He sent his only begotten son. So, in verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be what? Fully. Oh, I need someone to scream it. Come on. Fully. This is another poignant place where Paul says Christ fully completed, done away with the law. The Bible says uh, that he did this so that the just requirement of the law will would be fully satisfied for us. So that word fully is obviously, it is what it is. It's telling you it's fully. It's, there's not partial satisfaction. There's not partial, it's fully. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow spirit. So there's a caveat. If you follow the, your sinful nature, then it's not fully satisfied for you, right? You're still under sin because you, that's who you're serving. But if you're in Christ and you're following after the Spirit, you're walking in the Spirit, now you're in a place where Christ can work in your life on a daily basis. Again, who you yield to is who you serve. Who you follow will determine where you end up. Someone say amen. amen. Your destination is dictated by your instructions. Your destination is dictated by the moorings that you follow. By the guideposts that you look at. So you better make sure who you're yielding yourself to. Verse 5. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. I want you to underline the word dominated here. Come on, say it together with me. Dominated. So... Brandon, what does that mean? We know that we all are sinners saved by grace. Am I right? Mm -hmm. If you're still uh, somebody that needs Jesus every day for your sins, shout amen. 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 We all do. I do. Why? Because we're sinful natured. The issue is, who's dominating my thoughts? If I have a fleeting thought, a, a lustful thought, I see something I shouldn't see, I lust after it. It doesn't mean that it's dominating myself. So I'm not going to fall into this trap that, set, that the enemy sets for me that says, oh, you looked at that, you, you, you're, now you're lusting, right? The question is, who's dominating my thoughts? Am I being dominated by the Lord Jesus Christ or am I letting sin, am I constantly thinking about sinful things? And so that's the question you've got to ask yourself. Who's dominating my life? Who am I allowing on the throne room of my heart? So, those who dominate by sinful nature, think about this. So, those are who are controlled, but those who are what? Controlled. Everybody say controlled. Control. Won't you notice the difference in word? Dominate versus controlled, right? Why? Because we are willing participants with the Holy Ghosts. This is not a dictatorship. This is a partnership. So now I'm going to give the remote control over to the Holy Spirit and say, would you please control my tongue? Would you please control my thoughts? Would you please help me control my actions? Right? So now the Holy Spirit. I've got to choose to hand over the remote control. 
Uh, we just saw what happened with this screen thing, right? And, and somebody else tried to steal control of my, and they did it for a minute, right? But I gained it back. Thank you, Sister Candace. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that bunch of devils upstairs. And I mean that. <laughs> but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about what things that please the Spirit. Things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your mind. It leads to death. Someone say amen. amen. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to what? Life, and I love this, and peace. <laughs> it's not just about getting your life back. It's about liking your life after you get it back. <laughs> it's about saying, wow, I enjoy this life. Thanks. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference between just getting your life and getting it back with peace in it. Huge difference. Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. So, Paul is trying to say, look, don't be dominated. Who's dominating you? Who are you allowing to dominate you? And who are you handing over the remote control and saying, okay, it's your turn. Take the wheel, Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. For the nature, but for the sinful nature, that is the flesh, is always, shout and shout always. Always. Look at your neighbor and say it never quits. Never quits. Brother Carl, it never quits. It never quits. It never, Brother Ed, it never quits. It never quits. Why? Because it's your nature. And if it quits, it means you're dead. <laughs> Not to sin, to everything, <laughs> to life itself. So we are born in sin, sin we are conceived. Our nature is sinful by the fall of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. It always is hostile towards God. I'm going to say it one more time. It's always hostile towards God. It's always, people get frustrated. I just keep doing the same. Yeah, your nature's fighting you. It's hostile towards God. It does not want what the Spirit wants. You have got to decide if you're going to play the guitar or not. It's important. So what does it say? It never obeys God's law. Everybody shout never. Never. And never will. Paul writes, this is not something. You can't, you can't have your sinful nature come in here and get the Holy Ghost. All uh, right, you're not hearing me. That's not going to heaven. That is fighting you every minute, every second of your life. <laughs> Why? Because it's your sinful nature. It's your flesh. And it never obeys God's law. <laughs> you let your flesh take control, you will end up drunk and having lewd acts every minute of your life. Because that's where the enemy wants to take you, right? Mm -hmm. Lying, cheating, doing all kinds of terrible things. Why? Because that's what your flesh is. Yeah. It's an animal. Not figured, literally. So what, what is it saying? It never will. So this is what the law, the people that follow the law are trying to change their flesh into holy. If I can just do enough. If I can serve enough, if I can give enough, if I can act enough, if I can dress enough, if I can be enough, if I can shout hallelujah high enough, if I can, maybe, what can I do? I've got to do something because, man, I've got to get this flesh holy. You're not going to get your flesh holy because it's sinful in its nature. And that's the mistake that we make in thinking that we somehow can create holiness out of a sinful bag, a sinful bag of air.
called the flesh. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful natures can what? Never please God. God is not impressed by your human accomplishments. God is not impressed by how much I give or how much I... Um, he blesses you based on what you give. He draws blessings into your life that you would not have otherwise. He cares about what? He cares about your character. He cares about... Of course he cares. Yes. But you can't be saved by just being a good person. Mm -hmm. So character can't save you by itself. Character keeps you. Right? But it doesn't save you. Jesus Christ, come on, shout it. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save me. The only one that can save me. I, the only one. There's an, only one name given on him where men must be saved. Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water spirit. Why? Because you've got to get rid of your ideas about keeping the law. You are high up in the temple. You are a keeper of the law. You're an elder in the community. And you have been ingrained your whole life. That's why he said, do I need to get back into my mom's womb? Because all he could think about was, what can I do? Not what can Jesus do? So quit, Nicodemus, stop trying to crawl back in your mom's womb, right? Not, not appropriate, right? And it's, it's, it's not something that can even happen, right? And, and that is, it's, not, it's so outlandish that he would ask that. That, I mean, I mean, that mind blows me, right? That he could even conceive... Going back to his mother's womb. Because he couldn't see in the spirit. Why? Because he was a fleshly, sinful-natured man. And he was trying to fix his eternal soul with physical action. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. So we look at this and go, wow, this, this is getting revelatory. In that God's law is a higher law. The law of Christ is a higher law. And the law of, that of, of partners with my sinful nature will never save me. Never has, never will. That's why those who are still in the law control sinful nature can never please God. But you, someone shout, yay me. Yay me. <laughs> but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Why am I not controlled? Brandon, why am I not controlled? Man, why am I not controlled of my sinful nature? Why? Because I learned in chapter 6 that i got to die to live. <laughs> I gotta put my life on the altar and I gotta say, Lord, my will, but thy will. I gotta submit my will, my way, my mind, my heart to God in totality. And I'll have mess ups and screw ups and things I mess up in, but that doesn't annihilate me and make sure that I'm disqualified from this thing. No, grace carries me while I'm trying to figure out what sin I need to get out of my life. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. I want to weep and cry and shout at the same time. But you are not controlled. I get so sick and tired of people that are saved by grace, full of the Holy Spirit, and they mess up once, and they, they just lay in the ditch and won't get up because they don't understand who God is. Not who they are. They are a child of God. But more importantly, how great God is and the sacrifice He provided for me on Calvary that I can't trample it and act like it's nothing, that His grace is, uh, is you know, whatever. No, no. I am no longer that person. I may have fell, but it was not counted against me. It was a mistake. And God took it and said, I know your heart, and I'm going to bring you to newness of life and cleansing you because you asked my forgiveness. And I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. So I'm no longer going to put, oh, yeah, 
They're controlled by their sinful nature. No, I don't see you as your sinful nature. I see you through the blood that I shed for you on Calvary. I see you through the thing that you are, not what you were. I see you for the thing that you are becoming, not the thing that you have been told you will be. You are being controlled by God, not your sinful nature. And this is all predicated on you dying to yourself. Saying, not my will, but I'm nothing. I need you every second, every day. And submitting, well, how? Your prayer life, study of the word, all the things, serving others. So all the things that we know Christ has called us to do. This is not like a free ride. Get, you know, don't, do not go to jail. Uh, you know, skip to the front and collect hundred bucks. So what does it say? Ah, this is exciting. So it, you are controlled by the spirit. Here it is. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. If. Look there. See, it's underlined. I underlined it right there. See that? Mm -hmm. If. Someone shout if. If. I hope you're getting this online. Come on, type if online if you're there with me. If you have the, what? Spirit of God, what? Living in you. Not dormant. Not kind of there. Not a visitor every once in a while. Not someone that pitched a tent every once in a while. Not all well, the Spirit. I, you know, at Christmas I saw the Spirit there. And, 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 and I'm coming back for Easter this year. So that's not what, no. When you live somewhere, you're there all the time. You're not pitching tents. You're not building lean-tos. You're not a, a visitor. You don't have a motel room in the Spirit. You are home. You are living in so what, what, what? you're not controlled by the Spirit if you're not controlled by the Spirit, your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of, of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him except at Easter and Christmas. What does it say? Not, and that's the fallacy. That's the fallacy. What the pandemic has done is ripped the face off the church to reveal to us that there are some that they don't belong to Him at all. They profess Christ, they love Christ from a distance, but they're not obeying His commands, so they can't really love Him. It's made me realize as a pastor, I've got to teach some things that I haven't taught before. I've got to teach them more fervently than I've ever taught them before. Why? Because I think sometimes you've been lulled to believe that you're okay when you're really not. You can't choose the flesh and live in the Spirit. Oh, but Pastor, I was there on Sunday and I felt goosebumps and talked in tongues. Yeah, God was merciful and allowed you to feel what He has in possibility. But you're not living there. You're not living there. And so if you want the benefits of God... I know my wife and I have been married for a long time. And the reason she gets benefits of all of my earnings or whatever is because we live together. We are together. We are one. Right? That's what Christ wants. He wants you to marry Him. Stop fooling around dating. Right? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Satan. I love you, devil. I love you, flesh. That was so much fun. This can't be wrong. It's so right. It feels so good. I just don't think that the Lord minds if I do this. How many of you have ever heard these words? Why? Because they're not, they don't know the word, number one. Number two, they, they're not seeking to live in the Spirit. They want the Spirit to be a rescue boat when they get in trouble. 
when they're in the emergency room, when their house is falling apart, when they're in the midst of fixing to have a divorce, when they're in a, a, a diagnosis of cancer or leukemia or whatever it might be. Well, they get super spiritual then. And then they're mad. Why didn't you know? You didn't bring your kids to God's house for how many years and all of a sudden things start happening and they're in places you say, how did they get here? I'll tell you how they got there. They didn't have a center of God in their life. They have no idea. I'm, 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 am I okay tonight? Yes. I'm going to keep going. Why? Because I did not live in Christ. I lived around Christ. I lived by Christ. I visited Him once in a while. I hung out with him. I vacationed in with him every once in a while. I, I got a hotel near him. Are you living in him? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Good. Are you living in him? I'm being your pastor tonight. If you're online, I hope you receive it because it's the truth. Sometimes this is how I feel, right? <laughs> Jesus! Take the wheel. Anybody ever felt like this? Yep. Right? Because you want to do good and evil is present. Mm -hmm. You see yourself as being successful and all of a sudden you have a bad day and everything goes to Hades. Am I right? H-E double hockey sticks or hell. Why? Because we find ourselves in places that we don't know how to get out of and literally we have to say, Jesus, take the wheel. So many times we don't let him take the wheel, guys. We scream it while we white-knuckle it and try to guide ourselves through the things. Am I right? Mm -hmm. God is saying, let me have it. I can guide you through these things, but you've got to live in me. You've got you to quit dating. You've got to get married. Okay, verse 10. And Christ lives within you, even so, through though your what? Body, here it is. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm messing. Your body, everybody say my body. No. Come on, pat yourself on the head. Yes, that's right. Your body will die. Why? Because of sin. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Why would God let someone die of this or that or the other? Why would that happen? Because sin is in our world. Mm -hmm. And where sin is, there is death. And your natural body is a part of the absoluteness of the natural world. And in the natural world, there is a cycle of life that begins with birth and ends with death. It's an absolute. It's not maybe. The reason Christ came is so that we could live life and then what? Life eternal. So we're not living just for life. We get so in love with our flesh. We get so in love. We get so upset. Ugh. We gotta recognize that Christ did not come to rescue our body. He came to heal us and set us free. All that. But his ultimate goal was to save your soul. The reason he heals your body is to prove who he is. The reason he touches your life and, and, and touches your soul uh, touches your body is because. Why did he say what Paul write? He said body, 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 exercise, body, uh, what do you say? Exercise profiteth little, right? Bodily exercise, I can't speak. Bodily exercise profiteth little. That's what Paul wrote. What he was saying, don't exercise? Of course not. He's simply saying, 
Exercise is not going to make you go to heaven. Aren't you glad God didn't say we have to exercise, right? There'll be a lot of sinners going to hell. <laughs> um, so, anyway, we're talking about spiritual here. But here, he's talking about your body will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you what? Life. Because you have been what? Made right with God. Verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised what? Jesus from the dead. Oh, where does He live? In you. He lives in you. I died to myself and now I'm alive in Christ. He lives in me. He is residing with me. He's not just visitor on weekends. He doesn't have part-time residency. He lives in me. And just as God raised Christ Jesus or Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to what? Your Come on, talk to me with the Carl. Mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. The spirit of Christ. Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Say, thank God. Thank Amen. God. You are under no obligation <laughs> to do what your sinful nature tells you to do. Verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. This is the fourth time in the last few verses that he said, if you, do, if you live by the, sin, the sinful nature... You're going to die. But, but if through, everybody shout if. if. There's that word again. If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds or actions of your sinful nature, you will live. I'm going to stop right here and just talk for a second. I only got one more slide to go. And then we'll have a, a question and answer. Listen to me carefully. But if through the power of the Spirit, you're dead to yourself, you're alive to Christ, you, you, this is something you have to do now. You have to decide, I'm going to put to death the actions. Rush out actions. Actions. Paul said, I, I want to do good and evil is present, right? We read that last week. We can see that our thought life can sometimes make us feel as though we have already sinned. And the yawns in this room are absolutely killing me right now. I'm like, my eyes are all droopy. I'm like, if one more person yawns, I'm going to lay on the floor and let somebody else finish this Bible study. But listen, listen carefully. What does it say? It says that you have to put to death the what? The actions. Here comes a thought. You're driving down the road, you see a billboard, it's an inappropriate image of, of whatever it is that makes your mind go to places it shouldn't go. You're fighting lust, you're fighting temptation, you're fighting whatever it might be, right? And so many times, because we, we, we ride down the road and we're, oh man, oh man, oh maybe, oh no, no I can't, yeah, right? We get to our destination and we're having this war inside of us. The war of the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And we get there and somehow we feel like we need to go right to the restroom and throw up and take a shower because we feel like yucky. Like, man, that's not good. Why? Do and we feel sinful because of our thought 
not our action, our thought. Too many of us, we live to a sinful nature not because we have sinned, but we have believed the lie of Satan that says, because I made you think about it, you have done it. Because I made you wonder about it, you're guilty. Right? And I want you to understand, there's so many other places, but I want to stop here and just use this moment here, because it says what? It says, if the power of the Spirit... Right? Number one, you're in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. You're residing in the Spirit. Right? And by the way, you're human, so you're still going to have lustful thoughts. Or thoughts that are inappropriate in whatever, whatever it is. Anger, hatred, whatever. You're going to have those moments where you're driving the road, someone cuts you off, and you do something you shouldn't do. Right? Those are a fact of life. I'm not excusing them, but I'm understanding them. We're human. It's our sinful nature. It doesn't say, well, gee, we'll pat you on the back and forget it, wink, wink. No, repent, move on, right? So many times, though, we feel so guilty about those moments that we don't move on and we give in to those sins because the enemy has convinced us we've already done them. So what does he say here? You, everybody shout me. Me. You, you, got, you got to take your sword of the Spirit out and you got to cut the head off of that what? Allowing the thought to become a deed the thought to become an action you gotta say uh uh no 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 nice try I'm not hanging out with that thought it may have passed through my brain and I may have thought about it for a minute but I'm not living next door to that thought I'm not visiting, I'm not sitting at this dinner table I'm not hanging out, I'm not wondering if I can figure out if there's more like them right, I'm repulsed God is convicting me I'm not moving from thought to deed this is important. Because mm -hmm. so many people that serve God, they think, well, man, my, I, you wouldn't believe what I thought about. It. Yeah, I would. Because <laughs> we all do, right? The question I have for you is, are you willing to put to death the action that that thought tries to make you commit? Are you willing to say, nope, <laughs> I'm done, cut its head off, right? By the way, it never ends because your flesh will never cease trying to be at war with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. It does not like God or godly things. So you better get good at killing the deeds of your thought life. This is good stuff right here. Mm -hmm. This is practical, down-to-earth, living stuff, right? Put to death the deed of your action, sinful nature, you will live. You will live by your own by your own deed or your own action. No, you're going to live because there's a promise from God that if you live in me, I'm going to carry you. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Last pay, last thing. I was kind of short tonight. Um, so here it is. What does he say? For all who are led. Everybody say led. led. By the Spirit of God are what? Children, Children of God. God. Again, we go back. Who are you following? Over and over again. Who are you following? Every day you should ask yourself, who am I following today? Who am I honoring today? Who's sitting on the throne room of my heart today? Right? So if you have not received a spirit that makes you fear... Oh, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I want you to look at this small s in this passage. This is a evil spirit that he's speaking about. You have not received 
an evil spirit that makes you fearful slaves. No, you're living in Christ. You're walking in the capital S spirit. You're not, don't be fooled. Don't convince yourself or listen to the enemy that says, what? Oh, well, you know, you know, you, you, you just, you're just, you're so fearful. You should be afraid of this, that, the other. I feel like in, in part of that, a lot of people believe lies in this department, right? So many of us, in fact, all of us at some time or another, that we cannot allow or receive a spirit. You know why I'm so particular with who lays hands on me, who speaks over me, who speaks into me? I do not want to receive a spirit that makes me a slave to fear. You know why I'm very careful what I listen to on Facebook or the internet or TV or whatever it might be of any kind of media? Because I don't want to receive a spirit of fear that makes me live in a place that God never intended me to be. When, when, when people call me and they're panicked because they think they've received the mark of the beast because of this, that, or the other, right? I feel so bad because you know why? Because there's a spirit coming to them trying to make them feel like they're slaves to fearful things. Listen... Mark of the Beast is real. End times are real, right? But as a living in Christ, dead to, dead to sin, dead to life, you are in God. Do you think for a minute that a mark can take you out of the will of God? That something that you do not choose or worship can somehow dictate your eternity? Go study the scriptures. What does Revelation say? They that take the mark and worship the beasts. Right. What does that go back to? Who you submit yourself to. Yeah. Right. So it's not about a mark. Technology is here. By the way, technology is rampant in our world. I carry something in my hand every single day. <laughs> and it has a bunch of numbers in it. And I buy and sell with it. There it is. It's called a phone. And it's modern technology, right? The issue is not the mark. Yes, it's e the issue is who am I worshiping? Do your homework. Stop spreading fear. People, they're putting chips in people. You're carrying a chip. <laughs> <laughs> Stop living in fear. If you're a child of God, it doesn't matter. Your, he your heavenly place is secure in Him. Nobody can take you out of His hand, He said. Nobody. So stop living in fear as slaves. And there's a multitude of other things I could go into about spirits that come to us through the form of people, by the way, with good intentions many times, I don't think they're malicious. They're uninformed and not spiritual. Well, I need an amen on that. Amen. Uh, thank you. Right. Right. And what are they? They live in this place where they want to spread their fear. You're not a slave to fear. Nuh uh. You're not a slave to fear. There is therefore now no condemnation. Fear says that you are condemned. You're going to hell. I know people in my life that. They went to their grave believing that they were not right with God when they had lived their entire life for Jesus Christ because the enemy had convinced them through fearful things 
that they were not good enough. They were not good enough. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He, what? Adopted you. As His, what? Own child. As His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Abba Father. He says here in verse 16, this is actually my last slide. For His Spirit joins with our spirit. So the question I have for you is, what are you joined with? I really feel, I'm telling you, this is... What spirit? Are, are you going to live your whole life looking like this? Are, is anybody tired of living with anxiety? And They're upstairs. Yeah. Are, is anybody tired of living with the anxiety of the age? And every time you turn TV on, you see all you hear is bad news and things that are going on and war and rumors of war and death and... You know, more virus here and this and that. and We're tired of that. We do not want to live with the Jesus take the wheel mentality. That every day we wake up and go, oh, right? We don't live there. Where do we live? We live in Christ. So what, what does it say? For, for his spirit joins. My patience is... is I'm doing a study on patience next week. Um, for his spirit joins with our spirit to what? Affirm that we are God's children. How do I know I'm God's child? You don't tell me I'm God's child. <laughs> you can't make me God's child. God's spirit comes to my spirit and he says... And since we are his children, we are his what? Heirs. In fact, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. There it is. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So idea of comfort convenience that I want familiarity is not godly. It's not of God. We find nowhere in the scripture where the New Testament church said, oh yeah, this is good. We're comfortable. Nowhere in the scripture do we find the New Testament church saying, you know what? We need familiarity. They don't sing the songs we want to sing. They don't do it like we do it. They don't, no, you don't, you, don't, you don't see that in the New Testament church. Why? Because that was not their concern. They came together in one mind and in one accord for one purpose. And that was to what? Glorify God. And if we want to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Isn't that powerful? Mm -hmm. So thank him for the things you walk through. Love him. Find the rainbow. Find the silver lining. Find the blessing in your pain. Mm -hmm. Find the blessing in your trial. Let's, are you serious, Pastor? This is not me talking. This is the Apostle Paul talking. This is the Word of God. 
you're going to share in his glory. How many want to share in his glory? Amen? Amen. Woo, that's a popular one. Oh, how many want to share in his suffering? Eh, not so much. Why? Because none of us like to suffer. And by the way, remember, your flesh is at war against the Spirit. And by the way, your flesh never obeys God's laws. It does not like suffering. Its whole life is about pleasure, comfort, and familiarity. Mm -hmm. That's all it wants. Your flesh, if you make it, what? Pleasurable? You're never going to get a complaint from your flesh. What do we pursue, right? We want things that are just, man, give it me. I'm happy. I'm going to look. We never talk about hard work as something we really want. We have to do it, though, right? Mm -hmm. In order to get to where we want to go. So Paul is saying, if you want to get to glory, you better understand you're going to share in his suffering to get to that glory. So when you walk through things, you got to stop resenting them. You got to stop saying, why God do this to me? You don't get it. You need to have spiritual eyes that he allowed things in your life to make you more like him. He allowed things in your life to save you from your own flesh so that he could reside and live in you and not just around you. Is this good or what? God is so good. His mercy and what endureth forever. By grace are you saved through faith, not of your own works of righteousness, not of your own ways, not of your own will. It's when you submit your life to God and you are a willing vessel that says, Lord, I'm willing to go do and be what you need me to go do and be. Someone say amen. Amen. So tonight, thank you for watching if you're online. I hope that you will take time Sunday at 1035 to join us right here at Facebook Live. We have a summer of great things happening. You're in summer school tonight. Yeah. And this is exactly what God wants to talk to you about and teach you about. His grace is sufficient for you. Amen. amen. God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you amazing and blessed peace. Amen. Good night.